Develop with RoboHub, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hello and welcome to the RoboHub podcast. This week we're hearing from Ian Bernstein, one of the minds behind educational toy Sphero, now founder and head of product at Misty Robotics. He'll be talking to our interview Audro about a robotics platform designed for developers called the Misty 2. There's an ever-growing number of professional and hobby developers looking for reliable, user-friendly, versatile platforms to work with. Misty Robotics Misty 2 seeks to provide a robust and sophisticated platform that opens up access to robot building and custom skill design, both for business and personal use. With a variety of hardware and software features, Misty 2 comes with all the tools and docs developers need, and it can even be modified further with additional sensors, other hardware modifications, or via third-party APIs. Audro spoke with Ian about Misty 2, its hardware extensibility and software skills, the motivation behind making a robotics platform for developers, and the future direction of Misty Robotics. Hi, welcome to RoboHub's podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Would you introduce yourself? I'm Ian Bernstein, founder and head of product at Misty Robotics. Would you tell me a bit about the goal and motivation behind Misty Robotics? So the goal behind Misty is we really want robots to start doing more useful stuff for us in our homes and our offices and more than just vacuuming. So that was kind of the inspiration behind Misty. How do we how do we get to the Rosie from the Jetsons at some point in the future and and our uh, way of getting there? is starting with a really kick-ass robot platform for professional developers, um, something that's really open from a software perspective and also a hardware perspective so people can um, get creative about what they're passionate about um, and start building these skills for a, for, a, for a good platform. What does Misty look like, Misty 2? So Misty 2 is um, it's about 18 inches tall, um, she's sort of a, a cute looking robot, um, has a, has a, as a head with a neck that can look around. Um, she has two arms and she's on a, a tracked base platform. Um, we were going for something that was, um, both functional, like she's not going to get stuck on your sock on the floor. Um, but also something that if you wanted to develop a skill for the robot, and this robot is sort of always on in your home, um, that she's really friendly for your, your family members and your kids um, and will be something that would be accepted into a home or an office space. So something not necessarily too engineering, mm-hmm. you know, wires hanging out and stuff like that, but also lots of um, attachment points. So when you look at Misty, she has this, what we call the backpack on her back that's magnetic that pops off mm-hmm. with Serial and USB ports underneath. So you can, and the backpack itself, we have an Arduino version of that. So you can take your Arduino project and easily plug it in to Misty to add different sensors or actuators. Um, the arms are one screw. Mm-hmm. The arm pops off. Just a little user-friendly microcontroller. 
that has a bunch of the your setup it's like an uno or something like this or um, that you can yeah for for the backpack yes mm-hmm. and then exactly. it has a bunch of pins that you can use the analog ones digital ones you can connect it to a bunch of sensors power different things okay uh, yep yeah exactly and it, it it shows up for instance in the arduino sdks and arduino uno mm-hmm. uh, and then of course you have access to all the different shields out there that you can buy yeah so it's very nice to interface with a whole bunch of things uh, so yep. who is this made for Exactly. So, so, so right now it's made for professional software developers is the, is the main audience, but not necessarily developers that know anything about robots. So we were abstracting a lot of the difficult stuff like slam navigation and far field microphones and all that stuff. Spontaneous localization and mapping. So creating a map as you are um, figuring out where you are in it. Right. We want to make sure yeah, but we want to abstract that sure. To a place mm-hmm. where you put Misty on the floor and you push a button, and she goes out and explores and comes back with a map, mm-hmm. so that you don't have to know from an engineering perspective or a software development perspective. You don't have to know anything about how this map is generated. You just want to use the map, mm-hmm. like you just want to create a solution for a robot to like deliver mail between your office or something like that. And you just want to go to Jeremy's desk. You don't want to you know, have to figure out how to get to Jeremy's desk. We handle all that hard stuff. Yep. So we're working on that software. So, so kind of to your question, who is this for professional software people, but people that don't need to know about these technologies, we think people um, like web, web developers mm-hmm. or software, you know, enterprise software engineers, um, mobile app developers will be writing a lot of the skills um, oh, in addition to hopefully roboticists as well. Uh, is that, so this sounds a little bit like robot operating system or ROS, where you can use packages that already have skills, like for example, uh, simultaneous localization and mapping, or forward or inverse kinematics. Um, if you're doing like manipulation of something, it's already in ROS, but you're doing this in a different eco ecosystem, but it's more tailored to mobile developers. Is that correct? Yeah, or people who don't know about hardware, or um, and I would say even. I think Ross has done a great job of bringing some of these complicated technologies to more more developers for sure, but it's still there's still there's still a barrier there. Mm-hmm. Like I bought a Ross based robot, and after you know nine hours, I still haven't gotten it running because like step one was like install Linux on the robot, yeah, <laughs> right, and then like step. Sure. is like install Linux on your computer and install ROS. And it's like, it's still, it's still, um, there's still a barrier there. So we want to make it even easier. So really people can focus on the skills that they want to create rather than just getting the thing set up or, you know, a technology to work. Okay. And now what, just before talking about kind of what it can do and what we imagine it doing, uh, tell me a bit about the sensors and actuators on Misty 2. Okay, so starting at the top, uh, Misty has capacitive touch, so you know where she's touching her head. Um, there's three far-field microphones for beam forming and voice recognition or recording audio or whatever you want to do with it. That's cool. So three, are they in kind of a triangle configuration? So you kind of get like a vector where the sound is coming from? Um, and then you can kind of localize the sound source or what kind of... So we use some libraries from Qualcomm called Fluence Pro to do our beamforming and uh, echo cancellation and stuff like that. 
And mm -hmm. we, for this library, we have them actually in an L shape. In an L shape. Interesting. Do you have any intuition of why that is? Um, Probably maps it into a Cartesian space, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm actually not sure why, why, like why an L is better than a triangle. It was my yeah. I would assume that it would be a triangle, actually. but an equilateral triangle specifically because it's still a triangle. But um, anyways, okay. So you have these microphones so that you can localize sound sources and do recording in these things. Yep, and awesome. all these all these sensors, in addition to abstracting them out to make it easier, we also provide raw access to all of them. So as a developer, if you don't want things abstracted, if you just want the raw data from sensors, you can get it as well. So you can either get a raw audio feed. Or we'll have, as we develop more libraries, ways that you can do natural language processing and stuff um, much simpler without having to set it all up yourself. That's awesome. So going down, we have we have a visor on our sort of on our forehead with a high high resolution camera for computer vision CV. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to detect objects or you know things in your environment, we're using a. Uh, what's called a, a structure core sensor from a company called Occipital. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a depth sensor, an active depth sensor. Um, mm -hmm. Structured lighting. So cool. that's like a connect version one kind of thing. Yeah. So that's what we're using for our mapping. So this gives you a, a map of distances that the robot sees and that can turn it into a 3d map or a 2d map of your home. So she knows how to get around or your office. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, there's a visor with a screen underneath for, for, for eyes where you could put whatever, you know, whatever image or text. Is it or a touch screen or just uh, not touch screen or touch screen? Uh, it's not a touch screen. So we wanted to put a, it's sort of a lightly tinted visor. So you get this depth. So it doesn't really feel like sort of the, feel oh, like, it's like Marvin the Martian kind of thing. What was that? From Looney Tunes, it's like Marvin the Martian, where you just see yeah. eyes floating in a black face kind of thing. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. And it kind of gives it this depth versus a lot of the robots out there where you don't have that. You just sort of have the flat screen eyes, and it, it doesn't doesn't feel as alive. So we wanted nice to give touch. it that depth. Nice touch. Thanks. Okay. Um, we got the neck with three degrees of freedom, so you can also get the head tilt. You kind of picture your dog like looking at you and then tilting its head. You get that sense of curiosity. There are a lot of a lot of things to sort of add to the personality and character of the robot. Um, arms that I said are easily swappable, so you can create your own articulated arm if you want, or a laser pointer. The they only rotate up and down. Is that correct? So it's uh, just um, yeah. they just kind of pitch up and down. Only one degree of freedom in the arm. That is, that is correct. But you could. Um, we had people um, actually already create, say, three degrees of freedom arms with a gripper. Um, we had one guy that reached out that actually had built one a couple of years ago. It was exactly the right size. So, of course, you can mount that on Misty, and, you know, you can't pick anything up super heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, but you could start to pick up light things and maybe do research on, on you know, actually driving up to something and grasping, which is quite difficult in itself so if i wanted to say i 3d print an arm and it has a bunch of dynamixel servo servos how would mm -hmm. i power that off of misty yeah so so right behind the arms is what we call the backpack mm -hmm. that backpack um, is magnetic it pops off and the 3D under it, is hidden right 
Yeah, so we have serial and USB ports. Mm-hmm. The one the stock backpack is just a blank proto board, so you could do whatever you want with those serial connections. We also have an Arduino backpack that shows up and is an Arduino Uno, um, which accepts any Arduino shield out there. Pretty much all of them will work. Um, so you can basically take your existing Arduino project and now make it robot enabled. Or, like you said, if you had some Dynamixel servos, um, and you've created a, a mechanical arm, articulated arm for Misty. You can pull power off of that backpack, so we make it really easy to add your own either physical effectors or or add new sensors, and, and all those things can be powered and get the data from the backpack. Hmm. Nice. Okay, and then continuing down, so really good speaker system. Um, and the chest sounds sounds really awesome. We put a lot of audio engineering into that to make the right speaker box for the bass port, so you get really good. Um, if you want to play music from the robot, uh, is it really loud? Like it, uh, is the too quite loud? It, it can be. It can be pretty loud. Yeah. Oh yeah, if you turn yeah. it all the way up, I mean. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's actually surprisingly surprisingly good. Nice. And then in the base, we have bump sensors, physical bump sensors, as well as time of flight sensors. Um, time of flight gives you a, a range in front and behind the robot. Mm-hmm. And then we have downward facing time of flight sensors for detecting edges and then a, a tracked drive system. What we went with that. It was a lot more complicated to build it, like find the right materials for the treads and all of that. But we really wanted to make sure that you had a robot that you know wouldn't get stuck on any little thing on your floor. Mm-hmm. So it does really well with cords and socks and other stuff like that. <laughs> nice. And then what kind of things can we use this for? Like, actually, I guess, what is supported now? Like when you buy Misty, what is Misty 2? What is off the shelf? What can it do? Yeah. So because we're going after developers, um, she doesn't do a lot out of the box, at least initially. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that up to the developer. So what we're putting our energy into is building really good developer tools, mm-hmm. uh, really good tools, really good examples, and then providing a lot of that raw access to all the different sensors and capabilities. Uh, but what can you do? So she sees, hears, moves, speaks. So any sort of application that would take advantage of some of those things. Mm. Right, so she's not gonna like cooking food, um, day one. Misty three, but yeah, yeah, maybe maybe Misty six or something. (laughs) Um, But definitely like you know, office deliveries. I think there's a lot of stuff around elder care, Mm -hmm. security, education. um, You know, Misty, come over, wake me up in the morning, help me when I'm getting ready for work. Mm -hmm. Um, She charges wirelessly, so she has both a, a physical charger plug if you wanted to use a cable mm-hmm. or she charges wirelessly on a pad that you can put on your floor. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll be releasing some updates so she can, you know, find her way back to her charger and charge herself uh, automatically. Are, are you making, um, so if, do, so when developers use this, um, will there be a sort of ecosystem for them to have a bunch of Misty related projects? Uh, that make it easy to load on someone else's code on mine, or is it just GitHub or what kind of thing? Um, so we'll leverage a lot of GitHub right from the beginning. So we do have a community site. Mm-hmm. It's community.mistyrobotics.com. So there's a lot of people not just talking about Misty, but robotics. Um, but that's a place that people are 
posting when they have projects linking to their GitHub pages and stuff where people can duplicate their projects. Um, and then down, down the road, we definitely have it in our roadmap to create sort of the skill the app store, the skill store for Misty. So it's even easier um, to share skills. So we're starting with, we're starting with developers. That's how we, you know, that's how, for instance, personal computers got started is at the beginning, people were just making computers over and over, but it was really with the Apple II that we, that people now had a platform that worked. So they didn't have to think about building a computer. Now they could start to focus on software. And it took several years of the Apple being in the market and different generations of the Apple II um, and developers building the spreadsheet programs and busy, you know, busy calc and games and all this stuff to where, where computers really went mainstream, more consumer. When the consumer could go to the store and they're like, why do I want a computer? And the answer wasn't, well, you can program one. It was like, well, here's like the, you know, 50 software packages you can purchase to do games and spreadsheets and balance your taxes and manage your employees and all, all kinds of different things. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're at that, we're still at that stage now of robotics where people are just building robots over and over. So we want to give people the platform. So now people can start to focus on the software, figuring out what they do. And then that app store really becomes really a lot more relevant when there's enough skills for Misty and, you know, who knows, maybe by that time we're at Misty two plus or Misty three or whatever. Yeah. That now, now consumers start to see that Misty can, you know, watch their work and be the security bot, do all this stuff. Um, They just want that one button install. Gotcha. But yeah. And that's part of our, our bigger vision, right? At some point there's that transition period where we're, not just going 100% after developers, but going after a much bigger audience where developers can actually really start to make a lot of money because there's more robots out there and these robots are doing useful stuff for people. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay, this opens up a lot of interesting conversation. With the, So I want to get more into the philosophy of this, and that's so interesting relating it to the personal computer, I don't know, the launching of personal computers. Um, just a little bit, let's talk about the software stack on Misty 2. Uh, so it has, uh, tell me a bit about developing in it, I guess. Sure. So, so out of the box, currently we support, um, what actually runs on the robot is JavaScript. And we chose that because we wanted to open robots up to not just roboticists or, you know, which a roboticist generally has a, has a pretty wide, a uh, range of skills from mechanical to electrical to software. Um, but we wanted to expand that to really any developer, somebody that doesn't know anything about hardware. Um, and that's that could be a web developer or a, a mobile app developer or an enterprise software developer, like with no hardware knowledge or anything, any knowledge about robots, we wanted them to be able to create a skill for a robot. And that's that's one of the reasons we chose JavaScript. Uh, but the robot also connects over Wi-Fi to your network and via external API commands, which we publish. Um, we've already had people port um, to Python, um, starting to port it to ROS, the robot operating system. Um, and you could really port it to whatever whatever language you wanted you're comfortable with. And I think a lot of these first developers that are going to start using Misty are going to help create these foundational tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we can all use. 
Gotcha. Okay. And then, so you've talked a little bit about the philosophy behind this product and you're going more towards developers in the beginning to develop skills to make it so that, I guess, can you talk, tell me a bit about standardization in this and how that's important for robotics in general? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's one of the reasons that we're trying to stay towards, uh, you know, a common well-known language like JavaScript. Yeah. If we ever supported another onboard language, it would probably be probably the next one would be Python. Uh, but, and then, and then we're thinking about how do we, and even, even using some of these interfaces with, with Misty, like the backpack picking USB and serial, which are common, um, easy to use, uh, especially serial. Um, it's easy to work other things to that. Um, so we're trying to, we're trying to make it as, um, as, as, as open as we possibly can. So people can hook in things that they already know. Right, because Misty, Misty might not have the sensor that you that you need, or might not have you know you need a gripper arm or something like that. So we're trying to really make it easily expandable from the software perspective and then the hardware perspective, so you can really easily get in and add the things that you do need if if it's not already there, uh, and, and creating standard interfaces for those things. So it's not like yet another protocol you need to learn. Gotcha. Okay, and then going back to the computing metaphor, I, just um, one thing that I've read before is that it was Excel or spreadsheets that made them kind of boom because of the benefit in accounting. Uh, you could update changes rapidly, and this made them so useful. So computers kind of needed a killer application. Do you have any thought what that might be for robotics? Like, are we just waiting on a killer application that a robot is really good at, or you think it'll be a set of things what are you thinking along these lines i do think it's i do think it's going to be um i think it's going to be a lot of things and it might be it might be one thing for one person but it might be a different thing for the next person mm-hmm. of course for computers that kill, killer application the spreadsheet application was VisiCalc. Mm-hmm. um but for the robot um there will definitely be some killer applications. It's probably, um, you know, in the future, it's going to be cleaning your house and cooking food, and, you know, doing your laundry and stuff like those are going to be some killer applications, but that's, that's further away. Um, right now it's probably around elder care, um, education, getting more kids into robotics, um, a companion, a companion robot, uh, and, um, security watching the pets waking up in the morning like but but it's when i think about my amazon echo you know if some if i've used i have like three of them and i bought a bunch for like other people and i've told other people that they need to buy one but like all i use it for is mostly is music weather and alarm right but those are like really awesome things but if you said hey we're gonna make like this you know this speaker and it's like the killer application is playing music from your voice you're gonna be like okay like it's not that sexy but it's really useful and it's easy to overlook those things so i think there might be things like that that are hard to think about and sort of like this is going to be the killer application 
But I think some developer is going to build those things that maybe aren't quite as sexy, but when you put it on a robot, it's going to be super useful for us. Gotcha. And then, so I'm interested in this from the business perspective. Uh, is this company, so Misty Robotics seems to be playing a long-term game in a sense, because it's like, I imagine the market for developers is not going to blow the company up unless it's acquired by someone. Yeah. Um, can you, can you tell me a bit about the long-term direction of Misty Robotics? Yeah, so our, our long-term vision is, is again, a robot in every home and office. Like, we want to do something mm-hmm. big, and we need to go to consumers and really do useful stuff for them. Or more specifically, how to get there, I guess. Yeah, so you want Rosie the robot. But, like, can you tell me the steps on the way there, I guess, like what you imagine? Yeah, so that's why we're starting with developers. That's what we think the path is. Instead of instead of us trying to figure out the killer application ourselves, which is really difficult. Uh, and, and that a lot of, um, you know, what we found so far in the market is really vacuuming is kind of the one killer thing that iRobot has figured out, but nobody's really, aside from, you know, industrial arms and stuff like that, nobody's really figured out another application in the home. So we want to open it up so people can start to develop these applications because we're not the best at like the elder care, the best at the education skill, the best at the security skill. There's other people out there that are going to do those things that are way better because when you look at your aunt, you know, your um, your Android phone or your iPhone, most of the apps aren't written by Google or Apple, right? So even a company of, you know, what, the biggest company in the world can't develop all the killer things that we need. That's why we're going after developers in the beginning. We, we wait till enough sort of awesome things have been developed, and then we start to switch to the consumer market. And that's, that's where things become a lot more exciting, um, you, know, from a, um, you know, from a company growth perspective is when we're out in the consumer market and we have a product that satisfies a lot of needs for people. Uh, and then there's, so there's individual people, there's, businesses that are that could buy them as receptionists or things like that to um, putting them in say hotel rooms or elder care facilities um so that's that's where we want to go towards and of course from a financial perspective we're venture capital backed and we really looked for investors that are that realize this is this is a long game we really want to build a solid foundation with a solid community of programmers and developers that's opposite to what most venture capital, because they want to sell within 10 years, typically, like have some liquidation event. So that's quite interesting. Yeah. And we do think that we do think that within 10 years, we'll hopefully have switched to that um, consumer gotcha. side, like hopefully 10 years from now. I don't I don't foresee we're still in that developer phase. Oh, yeah. OK. And then so um, what's the timeline for the Misty 2? Can I get one now or what's the. Um, so the robot will be shipping next year. Um, so right now we're just finishing up um, development. So we have the robot, we have robots driving around. We're just dealing with a few, those last engineering challenges. Um, so like before we started recording, I was telling you about the like thermal issues. So <clears throat> our processors are in the head of the robot, but we also have, the far field microphones on the head. So how do you cool processors? Well, with a fan, but it turns out, of course, that a fan is quite loud and doesn't work well when it's right next to microphones. So dealing mm-hmm. with some of those hard engineering challenges that we're just finishing up. Um, and then, yeah, 
you can pre-order Misty on Misty Two on our website now, mm-hmm. and and we'll be shipping early next year. Gotcha. Thank you. And we are at the end of today's episode. We hope you enjoyed hearing about Misty 2. And remember, you can check out our blog and all extra content for this and our past episodes at robohub.org forward slash podcast. And if you enjoy our work, why not consider supporting us by becoming a patron? It's quick and easy, and you can become a patron for just a few dollars a month. The RoboHub podcast will, of course, always be free to all our listeners. But we are asking for support from those who can afford it, to allow us to continue to bring you the latest from robotics events, conferences, labs and manufacturers around the world. At the moment, our Patreon campaign focuses on sending two interviewers to this year's ICRA in Canada. Find out more about our campaign and becoming a patron at robohub.org forward slash podcast. We'll be back with a brand new episode in two weeks time. Until then, goodbye. Develop with RoboHub, the podcast for news and views on robotics. <laughs>